Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by the Royal Bobbles Collection at Bobbleheads.com. For all your favorite characters from the Gillivers, shop the Royal Bobbles Collection at Bobbleheads.com. Also brought to you by Rode Microphones, the official microphone supplier of Inside the Gillivers. See their entire lineup today at Rode.com. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Broadbent. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Season 2, Episode 13 of Inside the Gilliverse, where we talk all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with great pleasure to welcome tonight's guest, and actually, my co-host, he's back in the seat again for an evening, Mr. Tom Schnauz. Tom, how are you? I'm doing good. Good to be back. It feels like forever, and it has been forever, hasn't it? It's been. It does feel like a long time, yeah. I know. I've missed it terribly. I wish I could do more, uh, but uh, you know, you know how <laughs> we're 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 deep in we're deep in writing scripts and in production and uh, you know, but it's been, I, I wish I could be here more. But uh, I'm glad to be back today. It's good. Well, you know what? Let's let's start it off. I got goosebumps right now because I know what's coming. Let's let's have some fun right off the hop and let's show people what you've been busy doing. And fans, are you ready to are you ready for a treat? No, I'm going to put this on the big screen. Tom's going to show us what he's been doing so we can forgive him for being tardy. This is this is the this is a sneak preview of season six. This is this is all all the episodes minus the one I'm currently working on, which is on a cork board uh, right off to my right. But this is every episode written on uh, index cards. Uh, episode six hundred one through six thirteen, the final episode right there. It's all that. That's your so. You don't even have to watch it now. Just here it is. <laughs> oh, it no. Is. I saw what happened to Kim there, right in the middle. Oh, no. Oh, she's dead way before that. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, okay. She's dead way before. No, no. Ray was actually te- texting me today, uh, still concerned that she's going to die uh, right away, because I keep joking about that, unfortunately, for her. No, oh, nice. Yeah you're, you're, yeah, you're always the bearer of bad news. What would you do if the kids come in all of a sudden and they got, Daddy, look at these, look at these index cards, look at these drawings I did on these little index cards? Well, you know, that's, a, that's the risk I take. Yeah. Normally these are back at the office in Burbank, but because we worked on Zoom the entire, almost the entire season, we worked like two weeks together in the office before COVID sent us to our homes. Um, so I, I did all the, all the card writing here in my, uh, home office and uh, so I, I have all the cards for season six normally they're, you know, they're back uh, all the all seasons one through five are back in the office so they, these will join the others eventually is there going to be any armored truck when a couple security guards whatever that come to the house and grab those or are they just shuttled off by fedex or something <laughs> i will guard them with my life okay good good Train like uh, like bob for the for the movie nobody i've been uh, been working hard to to uh Defend the cards. You've been training. You've been training, right? You've been working out a little bit. Look at this body. You kidding me? You've been. You've been doing. You, yes, you look like you've been working out. Really good. Really good. Well, listen. We got, ate, my mom sent me a, a chocolate Easter basket that I ate like in one sitting. So yeah, I've been, I've been working out. You and I are doing the same kind of uh, physical activity because Sandra Lee here. She got uh, us some nice uh, Easter candy as well too. And the boy uh, Junior there, you asked about him off the air, and he doesn't eat much candy, so I end up stealing most of his, just like at Halloween time as well too. But um, I've done the same thing too. I just I've uh, been pounding it back pretty quick. But speaking of your mom, hello, Mr. Snows. Nice to see you again. <laughs> it, nice to uh, have you join. Hi, mom. I miss you. Uh, it's been so long since I've seen her in person. It's terrible. Oh, I can but imagine. I can imagine. Knocking wood soon that's good fingers crossed for sure you know it's funny too just a while back vince was on the show he made his uh, second appearance and he was telling us that night that um they had just finished uh breaking uh 13 so that was really cool timing he said it was about an hour before he came on the show so that was right. a significant moment yeah that's right we uh <laughs> we finished no more cards no more cards to write yeah just the outlines in our script so yeah we're uh, we're chugging along. Vince is actually in Albuquerque right now, and uh, uh, I'm going to be going for a visit soon. Um, yeah, so everything's every the production's rolling. 
That's fantastic. Well, I've got about four super chat questions that are coming in uh, quickly here. But before we do that, I just want to touch base on something quickly here. You can share as much or as little as you like. You've had a new family member uh, join the family. Want to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> we have a, a new uh, a new pup uh, named Rex Tackle. It's a, a Bernadoodle. And we got him uh, just about two weeks ago. Yeah, so that's the newest. Me- things weren't chaotic enough around here. So we had a, <laughs> had a puppy had a puppy to the mix who just peed on our floor. Uh, about two hours ago. So oh yeah, are- <laughs> <laughs> you got tile floor? Is it carpet or a wood floor? So okay, we- it's not too bad. Not too bad. It's a little better than carpet, carpet. at least. We have some carpet and some wood. We peed on the wood. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit better. Uh, I, just before I jump into the questions here too, back before I started Gilliverse with you, I had a few of the guests on the show of my, on my music show on Rock Shop Live and Charlie Baker was one of them, uh, Skinny Pete. And just that night of the show, they adopted a, a new dog. And I forget the name of the breed of the dog. I'm really bad with that. Um, but, but her name was Delilah. And just this little tiny, cute little puppy. And now this, this dog is like, you know, it's back when it's on. It's all fours. It's got to be five feet off the ground. I forget what yeah. it is, but it, it was so cool. And so many, so many of us here in the Gillivers have cats and dogs and, you know, all kinds of, you know, furry friends at home. Yeah, I, I, I grew up a dog person. Then when I lived in New York, out of necessity, became a cat person because you couldn't really keep a dog in your apartment. Yeah, uh, so was a cat person for about twenty years, and now uh, back back to dogs. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, let's jump right into the super chat questions. And here's one right off the, uh, um, some of these questions, maybe they're going to be questions about the future and that's going to be things that Tom won't be able to answer. Uh, but I'll have- about the future. <laughs> here's one from Josh Gordon. Josh says, because it's the last season where you or any of the other executive producers be doing any kind of Hitchcock cameo for the last season, like eating at Los Polos Hermanos in the background. <laughs> we always talk about it. I've been, I've been cast. I've been on the X files and in the uh, show night stalker, Frank Spotnitz always would put me in his shows and uh, it hasn't worked out with the Peter gold universe yet. Okay. So, so actually, I actually was going to be in season five um, in a role um, uh, that, but I wasn't going to be there during the time it was shooting. And then the scene got cut anyway. So mm. uh, I was, I was almost in season five. Okay. I did see the one episode of X-Files cause I had to go back and rediscover your catalog. Cause I didn't know anything about the, your time with X-Files. And the one episode I saw, you were kind of like giving a speech at a science convention or something like that? Yes, it was a bioethics speech or something. It was just filled with disgusting double entendres. Yeah, yeah, something that's perfect for you. Yeah, it was filled. I just yeah, got up there and it took a while. The, the uh, audience of extras didn't know what was going to be said at first and then, uh, i remember looking at all these faces or looking at me like what is he saying <laughs> not much of it actually makes it out of the show, but there's a little bit oh that's cool nice here is a super chat from dilly diamonds uh it says breaking bad 501 podcast you talk about something later in season five totally throwing off the writer's room plans for season five do you remember what it was long shot i know also how tough was breaking uh better call Saul season six I have no idea. I can't remember what I said on the 501 okay. podcast. I'm so long ago, what could have thrown? I, I, that's that was that was the question I needed ahead of time to go back and look. No problem. We can always catch them on Twitter or something. Yeah, if I if I remember it, I will I will tweet about it. Uh, season six was hard. There's a lot of threads to be tied and in loose ends, and uh, the again the. Uh, connecting with breaking bad in a, in a satisfying way, which I hopefully you know, knock on wood. I think, I think we did, uh, you know, right. I don't think everybody's going to be satisfied with season six, but hopefully most people will be. And uh, again, we're just, uh, we stick to our, our theory that uh, if we, the writers are happy, then um, the audience will hopefully be happy, but we can't worry too much about that. We're just trying to do the best show we can and, and entertain ourselves. And hopefully that, tr- yeah, comes across. Well, that's, that's, this is a perfect time to ask a question I had written down and you've answered 90% of it right there. I, okay. Obviously you're invested in the show as a writer, but you are a fan of the show as well too. Even if, you know, when the show's done, you're still going to be a fan of the show. Or even if you weren't, if there was a seventh season and you weren't writing for it, you're still a fan of the show. So as a fan in you, uh, are you happy with yourself where, where it's gone? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a, I, and I was a, f- a fan of the show before joining it, I was, I only joined uh, 
Breaking Bad in season three. So I had two seasons of fandom in my belt of being excited about the show. And then I got to join. And, and so uh, I, it, it's, it sounds a little weird to be, <laughs> to be a writer who's a fan of your own show, but I, I, you know, I, because I wasn't part of it originally, I, it's, I have that still in me that I'm a fan of, of those early seasons of Breaking Bad, so I can sort of stand back a little bit and look at it as uh, as almost a, a fan could. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not like the writers. It's not like the writers get killed off like the the characters do. But <laughs> thank goodness, of course. I'm sorry, Tony. Hey, there's a few I would love to knock off. Oh yeah. Smith. Oh, did I say that? No. <laughs> yeah. I love. Sorry, Gordon. And don't, don't, you, you know, you got Tom's address. You contact him. Don't flame me. Sa- Sandra here brought up a really good point the other night. We're watching, uh, I think we're up to season four now, Better Call Saul with her. She's, she's been all through uh, Breaking Bad, but she was uh, new to Bra- or actually catching up on Better Call Saul. She was noticing something, and this might be a question more for the, the women writers, but it could be for you guys as well, too. Does, does, uh, does Kim's character go through a lot of earring changes and uh, to suit a certain mood? She was really focusing on that. She was pointing that out to me. You know, when Kim's more relaxed and laid back, it's got the loose earrings and then she's got almost like daggers. Did that, am I just kind of making things up or is that a real deal? Have you noticed that? As far as I know, she's worn only the one pair of earrings, the entire, I don't remember a loose pair of earrings. There might've been, I, I don't recall, but she's got one set of ear, go-to earrings. Yeah. See, she, I, I, I got to go with the girls on this one. I think she sees. I think she saw a few different pairs. There were changes I didn't. I didn't know, know about them. But I, I feel like uh, and this was a, a Ray Seahorn choice. I believe that that she's just, uh, you know, they mean those those earrings mean something to her, and and she doesn't have a lot of different jewelry. She's pretty consistent with with the ones she she wears, and she's you know coming. She she I think correctly. Uh, Ray figured out that uh, Kim did not come from money. She came from a, you know, uh, a poorer background and had trouble with her parents and and different family members. So um, she's kind of, I always thought she stuck with the one set of earrings, but maybe there were other episodes where things uh, for different occasions, possibly. Yeah. See, and I would have never noticed it, but the girls, they pay so much attention to that. Right. You know, so it just went right over my head, but thank you, Sandra, for pointing that out. Um, and before we jump to the next question as well, too, one of our uh, moderators here, Eamon, he's not with us tonight, but it's his wife, Louise's birthday. So Louise, happy birthday. We hope you have a great celebration tonight. Uh, yeah, happy birthday. This is a super chat from Lisa Love. She says, uh, Peter Gould has been quoted to say the characters are going to get what they deserve. Uh, can you say you could agree with that outcome for them without giving anything away? Thank you so much for being on the show. She says, I didn't know he said that. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can agree with that, that they get what they deserve. Okay. You know, it's uh, I don't want to say too much here. I, I feel like I'm, I'm on dangerous territory. If yeah. they say somebody doesn't get what they deserve, but uh, you know, they all, um, yeah, I can't, I can't say much. No, that's okay. That's okay. No problem. We'll have to, we'll wait and see, but thank you for the question, Lisa. We appreciate that. And here's a really good question from, it's a super chat question from, uh, Jennifer Stevens. Uh, she says, Tom, what are the biggest challenges in filming in a COVID era production? I think that's a really good, I know you haven't been out to set yet, but uh, you know, you probably know. I haven't been out to set. And, uh, from what I understand, I mean, everybody is taking all the precautions needed and wearing masks up until the moment of filming the actors, take them off right away and I thought it would slow things down considerably and just from what little I've heard it hasn't affected it too much that we're falling behind or I mean we've we've got an extra day of filming so they're spaced out uh, in a way that that helps you know luckily Sony gave us more shooting days Um, so uh, you know there's probably some slowdown but because of the extra shooting day, maybe we don't notice it as much, but it, everything seems to be going pretty well out there. We're not behind. So that's a, <laughs> that's a good thing so far. Good, good. It goes to show you that with, with, you know, the right precautions, just about anything can be done. And I know you guys are probably really excited to finally be, you know, out, out there and working. Yeah. I'm sorry. My, my dog just pushed his way to the room. He wants to be on. Hey, no problem. Let's have a look. I thought the door was closed. Aww. That's Rex. Hello, Rex. Welcome to the Gilliverse. 
<laughs> I don't know how we got in here. Okay. So Tom, do you think, what, does it smell a little different in the Gilliverse now? <laughs> yes. yes. It smells like uh, fear, bacon, and now dog crap. There you go. I love it. Normally we would have done this, but I think we'll go with the bell on that one. You should have seen some of the answers that we got. Oh my goodness. Because we were too, I, and sometimes I'd forget to ask. I, I always had the note ask what the killer smells like. And we've had some of the craziest things. I'm going to make a little collage one of these days. When I get some time, I'm going to put all of the answers together. You know, it's, 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 it's hilarious. So here's another. Um, I lost you there just for a second. Can you repeat that? You'll make a great t-shirt. All the smells of the Gilliverse. Yes. All right. I'll get Sandra on that. Sandra, if you're paying attention right now, which I know you are, let's make a shirt with all the smells of the Gilliverse. That's going to be great. And you know what would be even cooler? Scratch and sniff. Do you remember scratch and sniff when we were kids? Do you ever have that in the, in the USA? Oh, yeah. We definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. So a scratch and sniff Gilliverse shirt. Now, what we could do if we're having a bad day, we haven't had a shower, we can say, hey, it's just a shirt. It's a smell of body odor. It smells like body odor in the Gilliverse, right? So we can get away with that. Uh, here is a super chat from Henry Peter, if I'm getting it correctly. Uh, Peter Gould mentioned that season five, episode 10, initially planned to have a teaser with young Jimmy McGill. Is there a chance we'll ever get to see that? Does that make sense? Season Five, episode, episode 10, 10. yes. Yeah, so oh, that's right. We uh, okay. no, don't think we're going to see that. Okay. Uh, yeah, there was a very, very young school days Jimmy McGill teaser that uh, I was a big fan of, but just ended up not really fitting with. Uh, uh, I was really, pu- I was really pushing. I was the one pushing hard for that teaser to start uh, season six, but uh, we kind of, kind of went away from that. Okay. So it's out there. We, I mean, if they ever decide to do something, it could be it could be available. Uh, we never shot it. It's, oh, didn't uh, you? Only talked about it. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, from Ragava, Ragava says, "Hey Tom, huge fan. Better Call Saul is very realistic with its genre. Uh, lots of research must have gone into it while writing. What's the most interesting thing or story you came across during research? Which ones did you include in the show?" Oh boy. That's a that's a tough one. Um, there's so many fascinating real life legal uh, stories, and I mean we have great uh, assistants who who help us. Uh, Joanna, who's a, is new to our, our uh, season this year, season six, she's a former lawyer, and she gives us a lot of uh, details about uh, the way things work. But we, it's funny, we don't really focus on the on the interesting things, or we we do so much. St- we like to focus on the, the, the boring, tedious, the tedious stuff. I mean, if you look at our pilot episode, we were so proud of what we used to call boredom in the court, where it's just a lot of waiting around and rolling the, the TV monitor into place and play, you know, playing the video cassette. So, because uh, we did a lot of research as a group, uh, we went down to the LA courts and just watched, you're allowed to just go in and out of courtrooms and just watch some of what's going on and, and a lot of it was just a lot of people looking at papers and waiting for the judge to, to talk or, or win. <laughs> so we wanted to be very realistic with that. So there's no, uh, there, there's no, even though there's a lot of fascinating, uh, crazy legal stuff that has actually happened. Uh, we don't try to steal too much of that and put it in the show. We, we focus so much on uh, the, the attorney, you know, the lives of Jimmy McGill and, and Kim Wexler and, and the, the chaos that's going uh, the drama really isn't in the courtroom for, for them. It's what's happening outside the courtroom. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Joanna as well, too. Joanna's become, uh, become a friend of the family here. I had a Zoom call with her back, uh, like not, uh, not a, uh, live on the air, but we've become friends. And she's one of the very few people other than yourself uh, that I was able. And she's probably watching tonight. So hello, Joanna. Um, and she's been a big help here to the show as well, too. But she's the only one of the only other people that know that little secret I told you off the air that we won't talk about on the air. That's uh, something for Sandra and I. So it's uh, pretty cool. So, yeah, she's been a, a great, a great friend as well. And the crazy, the crazy thing about Joanna is I've never she joined the show after the COVID restrictions. And I've never I've never seen her in person. Yeah, I'm not actually convinced that she not convinced that she's real. <laughs> she's told me that she, cause she, I guess she kicks off some of the writer's rooms, uh, virtual calls and she, you know, kind of a go-to and stuff like that. She was sharing a little bit about that. And she said she hadn't met you yet too. So I bet you should be a real pleasure to so, meet. That's so cool. 
that that's so cool. Uh, let me see. And she told me obviously about being a lawyer. And I think she the last uh, I forget what she told me where she worked before, but she joined it just as that series was ending. And she knows she's joined to help Peter. And um, obviously, as it's going to the end too. So she's like, I got to kind of get my streak going a little bit better. I'm joining these shows just as they're ending, you know, kind of a shame for her. You should have uh, our, our many, many assistants. I mean, many like Ariel Levine was an assistant. Now she's writing on staff. You have Val and Joanna and, uh, you know, they, they make, they would make great guests. You should have one. I'd love to. Show. Yeah. As a group or a, you know, individual chat. That'd be great. Actually, thank you for the idea. We'll do, we'll do it as a panel. We'll get a bunch of them on together. That'd be a lot of fun. Share some ideas and what it's yeah. like, you know, that'd be great. There was here. Uh, yeah. They're really, I mean, they really helped the show in, in so many ways and they would be able to speak to that. Yeah, for sure. Here is, we're going to do a couple more questions here, and then I'm going to jump over to some of the audio questions from our members. Uh, here is one from Ovo Jacob, if I'm saying that correctly. Now, this is talking about the future, but you can say it in one word. Uh, the, they are saying, describe season six in one word. Is that, a que- is that something you can answer? Oh, I mean, there's so many. There's, all, there's parts that are intense. There's parts that are sad. There's parts that are fun. I mean... I'm looking forward to when I go out to get to go out and direct. I have a lot of really fun stuff to do in my episode. Um, but the, you know, it's, it's a lot of crazy. I just, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of the one word. Crazy is good. Over everything. Yeah. Crazy is good. And I think, I think Bob Odenkirk, he said a few more things as well too. There's been a few people that have been leaking a few things as far as, I mean, not leaking, but leading a little bit, you know, so uh, crazy is a good word. I, th- I can go with crazy. Can I just, there's like a couple of different websites or something that keep leaking photos that are from season five and saying, oh, these are sneak previews of season six. No, don't. <laughs> They'll show, uh, I forget, they showed uh, Juan Balsa and, and Don Eladio. It's just like they were just season five set photos that have nothing to do with season six so because i know the cast was asked about it on at the sag awards and they were all confused about these three returning villains and it's like well is this this photo from season five of so no it has nothing to do with what's going to happen so i think there's there's websites writing about things that they think they know but they don't yeah a lot of time a lot of times some of these sites are just like ad farms you know they want to get traffic to their sites they got ads they want to make some money off of and stuff like that so and a, a lot of times too is not even they don't even know anything about the show or they're not even fans so yeah but thank you for clearing it up and i mean there are some diehard ones that are fans too and everyone wants content and they want to share so they're eager as well but it goes both ways here's a couple questions uh, just just seeing now from uh, mrs ignacio varga asked tom what was the hardest part of writing season six now that could be maybe you yourself or maybe something that the staff and you, you always talk about those corners getting painted into, but is there something that you can share without giving anything away that was hard to write for season six? Um, it was just overall just, uh, you know, I think knowing it was the final season made it difficult because <laughs> you want to keep working with this group of people. And plus in previous seasons, if there was an idea that didn't quite fit, but it was good, we could say, Oh, we'll do it next year. Now we can't, you can't just start shoving all these ideas. I mean, either they work or they don't work for what you're doing now. So uh, there's a lot of things we jettison uh, that might've been fun or exciting to do or whatever, but they, you know, we're just, we got to stay true to the characters and our storyline. And uh, you know, we can coming up with how many, how many episodes we were going to do. We, we settled on 13, uh, not really knowing what was going to be in those 13, but it somehow kind of worked out just right. Uh, just like in Breaking Bad, when that final season was the final 16 episodes, there was a number we came up with and it just kind of fell into place. And so, I mean, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of hearts. So again, again, trying to, trying to connect all the stuff we did in Better Call Saul with the realities of, Breaking Bad of, of what already exists. That was the most difficult part. Yeah. Here, here's a question as well too, and a very similar because we are now of the final season. Uh, this is from Pinterest fail. Mom says, Tom, what will you miss most about writing for better call Saul now that it's over? Oh, all the, all the people, <laughs> all my fellow writers, all the actors. I mean, what a great cast. I mean, this is, it's 
so sometimes it feels like lightning in a bottle because it's just like uh, uh, things are so good that I don't want it to end. But it's you know, unfortunately, we we made that decision. It's going to come to an end, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, whatever comes next will be uh, as good and, and as fun with uh, a lot of good people. And you know, hopefully, we can get a lot of our our writers back together and do something new. That would be fantastic. That would be absolutely fantastic. And we should take a second here too, before we jump into some more questions and jump over to the audio questions. As I told you off the air, you and I were uh, nice uh, recipients of some of these really cool bobbleheads from our friends, Warren and Rachel over at bobbleheads.com. And they're now a sponsor of the show. So last yeah, week we I had, would, yeah. I thank them. They sent me a, a whole bunch of, of, of the bobbleheads. And I love them. They're fantastic. So, yeah, so last week we had Giancarlo Augustring on the show. Giancarlo was a great guest, man. He was, yes, they're representing for sure. Love the Las Polos Romano shirt. Looks good. I have one in a gray. I like the yellow a lot. That's nice. So I've got the guest one here as well, too. You can get these at bobbleheads.com slash Gilliverse. Um, so we had uh, the Warren and uh, and Rachel gave us four of these to give away. And what the rules were for that contest on the video with uh, Giancarlo last week, we just said comment on the video. And, you know, mention your favorite scene with Giancarlo or Gus Fring and tell us why. And we had lots of great comments, upwards of 38, 40 comments. And I wrote down the winners. We have four winners. So uh, I would give a drum roll, but I don't have a sound of one. So here are the four winners. And each of you, if you can contact us either through our Facebook page at facebook.com slash inside the Gilliverse, or you can email me personally at info at musicgearnetwork.ca. Here are the winners. We have Elizabeth Coleman is winner number one. Arctic Sakai is winner number two. Heisenberg seven ten. Heisenberg underscore seven ten is winner number three. And That's me. Th- is that you? All right, yes. there you go. I thought I thought the little avatar looked like you. Okay, and winner number four is being Indian. So Elizabeth Coleman, Arctic Sakai. Heisenberg 710 and being Indian. Congrats. And thank you for participating and check out. And for those that didn't win, check out uh, bobbleheads.com slash Gilliverse for all your Better Call Saul and other features coming very, very soon. We'll have a look at that. And thank you to Warren and Rachel at bobbleheads.com for, for providing those prizes for our fantastic viewers. So thank you very, very much. And I think what we'll do... You know, if you do not, if the winners do not contact Eric in a timely manner, I get to keep those bubbleheads. There you go. There's a disclaimer. It came from Tom. <laughs> All right. We're going to jump over to some audio question sections, and we're going to come back to our, our texted questions here as well, too. So we're going to jump over to Andrea over in Germany, and here is her question. And for those of you that would like to submit audio questions for our guests, there's a join button down below. You can join, become a member of our YouTube channel. Not only do you get to send these voicemail questions to us for our guests on the air, it's like you're asking them personally. You get uh, merchandise perks, uh, discounts on our merchandise, one-on-one Zoom calls with us and all kinds of fun stuff as well too. So here's Andrea from Germany and her question for Tom. Hello Tom Schnauz, it's Andrea from Germany. We are very excited that you are with us today and I would like to know when do the pants fly? <laughs> Just kidding. I read that you was went to school at New York University and while you was attending Tisch School at the Arts, you met Vince Gilligan the first time. What was your relationship like back in the 1980s and what was Vince like? Me and Chris from the Saul Goodman Twitter account collaborated that question together. So thank you a lot from both of us. Nice. Yeah, the relationship was purely sexual. It was just, uh, that's all I can say. No, we were, we were, uh, we uh, both in need of money at NYU. We, you know, we didn't come from um, wealthy backgrounds. So we, uh, uh, he was there. He was at the school ahead of me. I transferred in from uh, Rutgers uh, University in New Jersey when I was a junior. And uh, so I moved to New York City into campus housing, and I did not have money. So I went in search of a, of a work-study program, and I went to the uh, – just sort of wandered around looking for work, and I stumbled upon the basement of 721 Broadway where they, the student film checkout was. And luckily they needed uh, – work they needed people to stand behind the counter and give camera equipment to the students and sign sign them out for the for their classes and vince was working there and that's uh, that's how i met vince and a lot of my other good friends from nyu like we all worked together in the in the basement of 721 broadway handing out equipment to uh, students which, which is the best way if you're going to if you're going to film school work 
in the film checkout program because you get hands-on with the equipment all the time and you end up becoming a teacher for people because they will come in and say, how do I thread this camera? How do I work this or that? And you have to know. And knowing knowing the equipment is a big part of, uh, of being, if, if your interest is, is working in film and even just a, it's just a writer, you want to know how things work. So uh, if you're going to film school, try to get a job in the equipment room. Good to know. It's <laughs> uh, a, a recommendation. And yeah, I, wor- I worked there with, with Vince and uh, uh, we worked on each other's projects. He was a DP on my student film. He was the cinematographer on my student film. And I acted in his student film and was a assistant camera as, as well as an actor, did double duty on that. And uh, we, we acted in each other's projects. And that, that first year after I knew him, we were sending each other scripts back and forth when he was living in Virginia and I was back in New Jersey. Um, we mailed each other our, our student films that we went on to, uh, to shoot in our junior narrative classes. So, uh, yeah, we were we were became good friends, and I, I knew he was so creative right from the beginning. I mean, he was he was really a one of a kind guy, really <laughs> really fascinating. And uh, yeah, I was uh, you know lucky to 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 meet him when I did. Fantastic. And you, you told us a bit about that before too, about uh, working in the equipment room. So that's a, that's a great share. And he, Vince shared, uh, showed us uh, for the first time, first time I've ever seen it. He showed us his first camera on the air. He had just oh, yeah, got a glass did. plexiglass case for it. That was really cool. Yeah. He was, uh, he was a little reckless. I don't know if he told you about some of his, this is before I knew him, but he would, uh, uh, you know, do some things to get some shots that were <laughs> probably not the safest thing to do. And I would not recommend, uh, it's like sitting on a skateboard and being towed by your friend who's driving a car. To, oh to man. <laughs> not, not safe. And probably there's union people right now and, uh, the, the, the guild and all these other, other agencies and stuff like that probably wouldn't go for that. Would they? No. Yeah. It was not. <laughs> but when you're a teenager, you do, you do stupid things and we did stupid things on all of our films that I, yeah. I was lucky. You look back and you just think, thank God that nothing, nothing happened. Yeah. You and the actors are still alive, uh, you know, <laughs> but by yes. sheer luck. Um, here is a question from, uh, we're going to go back to some audio questions in just a quick second. Race Groove, Breaking Bad had a wristwatch on the payphone moment to address a continuity error. Has there been one in Better Call Saul or will there be one coming up that you know of? I don't think there's anything that we've, you know, uh, I mean, we're, we're doing things to make sure we, we link up with breaking bad. Um, as far as Saul's world with his hair and his, you know, his pill taking, um, his medicine and, um, but there's nothing we feel like we, Oh, we screwed something up. And we, I don't think, uh, uh, I mean, breaking bad was not a continuity error. It was just that, um, we shot a flash forward with with Walt, um, where he didn't have a watch on that Jesse gave mm-hmm. him. So it was oh, we need to. <laughs> it was just something. It wasn't a continuity error per se. It was just like um, because of the order we shot things in. Uh, season five starts off with Walt opening that trunk and having the, the giant gun in in the back, and he didn't have a watch on. And then you know Jesse gave him a watch. So we just said this think, oh, where did, the, where did the watch go? And, and Vince came up with something for the final episode. And it would work because he was losing some weight and things of that nature and stuff like that. So yeah. suppo- supposedly losing yeah. weight. Yeah, it worked well because it's just becoming, you probably couldn't even adjust it anymore and it was just too big. So yeah, it makes sense. Okay, we'll jump on the next yeah. audio question. So I think it was justified that there was Walt leaving behind his old self to yep. to go on the kill some Nazis. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think so. I think so. Here's a question from Josh Gordon and this is, I believe, uh, yeah, I, cause I listened to this one before the show and this one is a, a question you probably can't answer, but at least we'll play it and you can address it however you like. Here we go. Here's from Josh Gordon. Hey Tom, this is Josh here. I'm the one on Twitter who recognized your Thompson paintings in the background. My question is kind of related to Tom Wilson. I know you can't give away the obvious specifics about the finale of Better Call Saul, but can you at least answer this? Is it closer to Star Wars, where there's a gap in between the movies, or is the finale closer to Back to the Future, where one film blends seamlessly into the other? (laughs) Thanks a lot. We might have to go with that crazy answer again. 
<laughs> yeah, I can't. I don't want to say anything. No for problem. Fear. Peter Peter Gould's going to jump through my window in a second now. That, and, that's right. And put it over my mouth. No, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't say anything about the finale. You know what it's going to be like? Do you remember? Remember? Well, I'm sure you watched Monsters Inc. Right? You know, and one of the monsters come back in the room with a sock uh, on them, whatever, and they're contaminated. And as soon as you say something that's not allowed, <laughs> poof, <laughs> through the window. Yeah. That is correct. That's what's going to happen. Yep. Peter and Vince are coming in and all the assistants are coming in. Joanna's busting through. Yeah, not going to be good. But anyways, yeah, we thought we'd try it. We'd ask anyways. Now, this one here is an audio question from Karina. Karina is also one of our members and one of our moderators as well, too. Here is her question. Hi, Tom. This is Karina. Welcome back. And we've all missed you. And I want to say congratulations on all the nominations. My question is, when you wrote that brilliant, suspenseful scene in Bad Choice Road between Kim, Lalo, and Saul, what were your thoughts on why Lalo just left after Kim confronted him and got in his face so unexpectedly? I felt like he was surprised by her boldness and fearlessness and maybe had a certain respect for her and in a way actually likes her. If Kim hadn't been there, what do you think Lalo would have done? Good question. I think Lalo would have, if, if Kim wasn't there, Lalo would have broken uh, Jimmy and Jimmy would have told him the truth, which, which would have meant his death. And I think that's Kim sensed that. I think Kim knew he was about to spill the beans after so many "tell me again, tell me again." Uh, I want to hear the story, and he, he. I think because of everything he had been through in the desert and his weakened state, he wasn't really the Saul Goodman who was strong enough to stand up to Alalo. So Kim had to step in and save him, and I think uh, Lalo walked out because. Kim's story was convincing. There was enough uh, reasonable doubt, even though he had something, he had the little man inside him telling him one thing that something's wrong here. Something's off. There's bullet holes in this uh, car on the side of the road that's been pushed in a dish. Something feels funny about that. Um, I think he heard Kim's story, decided might be true, might not be. Um, but it, the guy did get my money. He did get me out of jail. He did exactly what I, he asked me to. So maybe it's not worth spending my time here torturing people. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go. And uh, she, Kim made a great argument that this guy went through hell to uh, to save save his ass. And uh, so he walked out. He didn't apologize. He was just like, you know what? Okay. Yeah. You, you won you me over with it. Was, it was really like a lawyer convincing a jury of Lalo <laughs> to, uh, you know, what to do here, whether to sentence this guy to death or to let him go. And he decided, you know what? All right. I have enough on my plate. I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. And you know, it's funny too, is, and not that he would be proud of this Lalo. Um, but Kim was very on point when she said, you know, before you look at other people, you might want to get your own house in order. And that's something you probably would not, you know, want to hear, but probably realize, you know, okay, she's, she has a point with that as well too. So he had to really swallow some pride, you know, not for number one, not to kill anybody. And number two, to take that and just walk away. So yeah, no apologies, but they both lived, which was good. So. Right. And then he ended up, trusting nacho which uh in the end in the final episode you know that did not go well no <laughs> so that his, his trust level now his circle as we say the circle of trust has become like the size of a little cheerio now that's right yeah <laughs> well since we're on the question of uh, one of your episodes here's a question from cz uh says and this isn't an audio question this is coming through the chat love the visual aesthetic of tom's episode specifically the set decoration seems to have more subtext is that tom's doing and how much does he think about that well i wish he had some specifics because i don't know i mean we all when, when you're directing an episode you choose everything that is seen on screen and uh, I, if I knew what he was talking about specifically, I yeah. can address that. But uh, you know, our we have a, we have great set deck and great production designers who put a lot of thought into things too, and they will present us with things. So there may have been some some other meaning uh, behind some things that I wasn't even aware of that I that I put in. Um, so yeah, we as the, all the directors try to think as much as possible, and every Peter sees all the sets and approves all the costumes and everything before. Uh, it gets filmed, so everything is thought about. But if we, if I knew what specific uh, part he was talking about, I could, I could, I could either say yes, that was on purpose, or no, that was an accident. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it could be, you know, both answers. 
Yeah. Well, I guess we could take it as a compliment. Just a, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, you know, the visuals in your episodes. I mean, they're, they're good in every episode, but I mean, yours have had some real beauties for sure. And just a, a nod to your team that you work with as well too. You know, everyone has a big hand in making what we see on, on our TV screens as beautiful as it is for sure. Now here's a super chat from Ann TV. Now I know this is a question you can't answer, so maybe we can just kind of put a different spin on it. But Ann TV is saying, uh, Gus poisoned cartel bosses, yet their families didn't swear revenge on Gus, Mike, and Jesse. Are we yet to see the aftermath in season six? So we obviously can't talk about the aftermath, but is that something that you, you know you you can comment on? The Gus poisoned all these different people, yet they didn't. I could probably comment because I mean Breaking Bad covers that. Mm-hmm. You know, poisoning happens in Breaking Bad. There was never any discussion about retaliation from family members. I mean, all, all the big wigs are there at Don Eladio's house and get poisoned. And I think the tracks are covered. You know, he, he flees. And so no, I don't think there, I, I think, uh, yes, I can answer that question. There's no really no repercussions from, okay. from anybody in the future about what happened, uh, at, uh, Don Eladio's compound. Okay. Good. Uh, we've got two more audio questions coming in, then some more super chats and some other questions in our live chat. This is from Natalie Romero, and I believe she's from over in Barcelona. So here is her question for you. Hola, Mr. Schnauz. This is Natalia Romero. Thank you so much for coming back to the show. It's been really too long. And also, thank you for your Twitter posts uh, that bring so much joy to my life. From the current testicles thread to your production diaries, those posts are really gold, even better than DVD extras. And speaking of DVD extras, here's my petition for the release of the Jimmy and Kim deleted love scene on the dentist chair in episode 208. The fandom demands it. Okay, now with the question. Um, could you do this game of bang, marry, kill with Breaking Bad characters and also bang, marry, kill with Better Call Saul characters? I'm also asking this to Eric. Thank you so much and uh, good night. I do not know the answer to that. <laughs> Who would you? Who would you have? You have a pick, have to pick a character you have sex with. Who would you marry? And who would you kill from the from the different universes? Oh, geez. Okay. All right. Um, definitely Nacho. Yeah, we're gonna have to go with Nacho. Yeah, we'll have to go Nacho because yeah, yeah, you've 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 made me be be in love with Nacho. Um, Mary. So Sandra's not on the uh, on the show, so it can't be Sandra. I guess it would have to be. I think I'd marry uh, Hamlin for the fi- for the security. He seems like he's very stable. Yeah, probably probably a good home life. Okay. Well, since we're both going male, then I'd say I'd say uh, Michael McKeon. I'd say Chuck McGill. Mm. Yeah, and kill <laughs> and kill. Now, can we can we say uh, are the writers fair game if we kill a writer? Oh yeah. Go ahead. Okay, then I'm gonna. Go yeah, let's go, Gordon. We're gonna, we'll go with Gordon again. Let's pick on Gordon tonight. <laughs> I love you, Gordon. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. Which character would I kill? Uh, boy, I don't know. They're also. I I'd, go I I'd go Lalo. I'd go Lalo. Might me. He's a, he's, he's another sexy man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'd have to kill Tio. That bell is annoying. Yeah. True. It is. I don't want to do that all day. Yeah. Okay, there we go. So good question. And I didn't, I didn't quite understand hers at first. So now thank you for clarifying for me. So I got it now for sure. And our last audio question coming in tonight is from Lori. Okay, and here is Lori's question. It's about time you came back, Slacker. Hey, Tom, this is Lori. I was wondering what happens with all the written index cards that are up on your cork board after the episodes are finished at Better Call Saul. Did anyone keep all the cards from Breaking Bad? Oh, and by the way, I have a new movie title that you can add to the list that you started. You need to think about Betty Davis for this one, okay? Are you ready? Whatever happened to baby testicles? <laughs> Thanks very much, Tom. That was one. Uh, I have a running list I've written down, but then I cannot repeat a, a movie title that's already been tweeted at me. Um, so I have to cross off. All the, all the good ones that, pe- that people have, uh, have tweeted at me, I have to come up with all new original ones. So, uh, yeah, the cards we already talked about, all the cards are uh, at the Better Call Saul offices, except for season six, which are here. And I do believe, uh, I wonder if Vince has all the cards from from Breaking Bad. I know there's they didn't throw them out. They're still somewhere. 
Nice. They'll make a nice uh, collector's item if they get to be issued out there someday. Yeah. I mean, we even keep the uh, user blue cards. We are temp cards, uh, unused cards. We have scenes that are written that we... Uh, and we set aside. So I'm getting a real kick from the sun. Sorry. Sorry if it looks horrible on my screen. Oh, that's okay. okay. You know, something I saw that I was, I thought was really cool. Um, when Rex Lynn was on the show a while back, and of course you'd know about this, he was showing us all the buttons that uh, the, uh, the cast and crew would get each season. And they're really heavy or pins, pins, buttons, like whatever you want to call them. You remember though, like there are different colors for every, every season of Better Call Saul. Well, we get challenge coins. Is that what you're talking about? Maybe. Yeah, Vince. Uh, there's a, there's a uh, I think it's a marine or a military uh, a tradition of giving a challenge coin out. And from very early on in Breaking Bad, now through Better Call Saul, um, Vince is uh, really pushed to give a challenge coin. Um, I have a bunch of it. I you know I don't want to make you wait. I, they're right off screen over here, but it'll okay. take me a minute to dig them out. I have a bunch of different challenge coins. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe take a picture sometime and just put them out on Twitter and tag us and let us know. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, he was showing us a few different things. So that was really neat. Um, so here's a super chat from Gabe Montoya. And we'll just, uh, he was saying, can you sum up with the ending of season six in one word? I think we'll go with crazy. We'll just say that for now for safety's sake. Uh, from a uh, super chat from Reynolds Woodcock says, expenses is one of my favorite episodes of the show. What was it like writing and directing the scene where Jimmy sabotages Chuck's insurance? That's a really good one. Yeah, I had a I had a real blast with that. I was very very proud of that episode. Um, it's not yeah, it's not one that ever gets mentioned in the, when people talk about the episodes. But I, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for that one. And I I mean, and I was re- I was really happy to make Peter happy with that one. He was I mean, you know I always loved his reaction to that one when we were in the editing room, um, and that scene was uh, a big for me. I was uh, it was uh, I was really proud of uh, Bob. Um, for pulling that one off. And it was, uh, I always felt it was a key scene. It's the moment, you know, what he does to Chuck there for no particular reason, other than that his life is going to shit. He's trying hard, trying hard and nothing's going right. And he sees this moment. He has to sabotage his brother just because he can. And it, it, it just sets the dominoes falling as far as um, losing his insurance, Hamlin deciding to, to, you know, remove him from HHM and then his ultimate suicide. Um, so it really, for me, it, that action really starts. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff before it, but if Jimmy had not uh, done that such a petty, that petty action, Chuck would still probably still be alive. That's powerful. And I'm glad for you too, that uh, this question was brought up tonight. That's nice. Obviously to get some accolades on that episode. And I've, I've probably binged uh, better call. Saul probably about three or four times all the way through. And I'm watching it through again right now with Sandra. And we just watched that episode about two nights back. And, and I don't think that episode ever hit me until recently as well, too. Maybe for some reason, I, maybe I was busy during that particular scene when he's at the insurance company there or whatever. I don't know what it was, but it really hit me this time around as well, too. I was kind of like, wow, you know what I mean? You know, it's, 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 it is powerful. And like you say, that could have changed the outcome for sure. Chuck would at least be around for a little bit longer. You know, it could be still in season yeah. four or five, you know, episode. Yeah, he'd still be maybe healthy. He was overcoming his his you know, mental, uh, problems and, you know, his, his, his allergy to electricity, he was overcoming that. And he, he, if he, he was working at HHM, the thing he loved and it, it, uh, it got taken away from him because of that. That's right. Yeah. And once he didn't have his career anymore, you know, was, and couldn't really get at Jimmy anymore, he had really had nothing to live for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Here is a, um, just keep an eye on the time. We're getting down to the last few minutes here. This is a super chat from Erie Afro says, What's the story of the episode title Everybody Wins from Breaking Bad being changed to Say My Name close to airing from what I remember? No, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, I, th- I titled that episode uh, Everybody Wins, which was the final line of 506. And I thought it was interesting because of how things went uh, in 507. That would be an interesting title. But then I, it went it came down to it, it felt like there was some confusion about um, when people see the title of the episode, are they going to think it's 506 as opposed to 507? And then 
going through the script in that moment when uh, when Brian Cranston says the say my name, it just felt so powerful. That just felt like that. Well, that should be the title of of the episode. Yeah, that was uh, exactly. Well, it works, obviously, right? Yeah, it actually ended up being a much better title than than everybody wins. Yeah, no, I, I like that for sure. Here's a great question. Obviously, you being a musician, myself being a musician, I think you'll appreciate this. And I like this question as well. Whenever we get questions about music, and we don't get a lot on the show, but it's nice to really um, spend time on a music question. Of course, you know, with Dave Porter and uh, Thomas Glubich. Uh, is it Glubich? Is that how you pronounce his name? Glubich? Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm bad with pronunciations. I, but- I'm probably pronouncing. But Super Music Vision, anyways, the the music supervision team there are fantastic. And I was I was corrected on something. I think when Gordon Smith was on the show, we were talking about the one episode, and I, I am going to get into a question from Mike Falgoat, if I'm saying that correctly. But I was commenting on the music choice for the scene where Jimmy is throwing the bowling balls over Howard's uh, gate, right? And leading up to that, there's this really, really cool thing. And I totally, I thought it was Dave Porter, because it was Dave Porter's signature sound, very percussive, hammered, you know, dulcimer type of percussive sound but it wasn't Dave Porter. It was Aphex Twin and Junior here. Um, Do you know about Aphex Twin? I don't know. I mean, I remember when they were picking that episode um, that 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 was the music they settled on. It was great. I mean, so cool. So Junior's got the records now. I'll I'll, uh, retweet something and I'll tag you. I I played his record the other day with that song playing and it's so cool. But to, to go back to the main question here about music, Mike says, can you discuss the creative process in choosing the music selections for the montage sequences of the episodes? Too many to mention, but one of my fave faves, Peddlers on a clear day you can see forever. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it really comes down to sometimes you just have a feel for what you, what you want it to be. Like uh, um, in Breaking Bad, there was a monkey song that I was like, I just really want to use this, and I didn't know if uh, if if the, the song going down would, would pass muster when it. But I I did it. I used it in the editing room, and and sure enough, it, it stuck. And um, sometimes we don't have an idea of what we're going to use. Uh, but I I whenever I write my scripts, I try to write if there's a montage. Uh, which I am writing now. I've written a specific song into the montage. Whether it will survive, who knows? But uh, um, yeah, we just kind of have a feel for what the mood is and what would either do, you know, <clears throat> to enhance the feeling of the montage or to or to go against the feeling. Uh, you know, it's just a you know, it's an experiment. There's a lot of experimenting about it. Thomas is a genius. He'll come up with some some songs that. Uh, that we never would have thought of, and they were amazing. Now, are there some, uh, you, I think you touched base on this back when you were on the show before, but let's say when one of you writes a piece of music into a scene or into a montage, whatever, and it, are there some obstacles sometimes for licensing where you just can't get it, or it's so costly that it, is it really worth it? Or are there any things like that? Oh, yeah, we've definitely had that. I mean, uh, in Breaking Bad, I remember uh, the Horse With No Name episode. Um, we originally wanted a Crosby, Stills, and Nash song for Walt to be singing and it was just way too expensive. They just wouldn't come down on the price on that one. So we just decided to give up and, and pick a different song, which is why it became uh, America's horse with no name that he's singing when he's driving his Aztec. And uh, that, that happens occasionally. Sometimes somebody either doesn't want to use, let you use their song or they're just asking too much money. And we, you know, we only, we have a budget that we need to, to stick to or at least sort of get in the ballpark and sometimes it's just not just not worth it and I'm sure there's times too where I know I know doing this, just doing video sometimes. Like when we put things up on YouTube, we can't use anything, uh, you know, copywritten. So we have to use royalty free music. And there's, you know, a, a resource that YouTube puts up there to choose from their audio library. And you just choose your genre and your tempo and your mood. And sometimes, you know, when the song doesn't work the first time, whether it's uh, it just didn't fit, the pacing wasn't right, and you and you and you really had your mindset on something, and it really makes it at the time. Then you hear another piece. Sometimes it can be even better, can it? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, was, and again, I, with the horse with no name example, that I think that worked worked out better than uh, wooden chips. Wooden chips, which is the song we yeah we want. Now I can't see. I mean, it, it worked out so well that we used the title of the song as the title of the episode. Yeah, except translated to Spanish, but uh, uh, yeah, it just was so so power so strong that would you know just, uh, 
I forget what the title is now. So, <laughs> but the horse with no name was was that episode uh, three hundred two title. And even like even as smaller characters that may come and go sometimes too, it could be like looking at the characters. You know, they they do such a remarkable job that you know it could have been maybe anyone to play a smaller role, but that particular person, you know, I'm not giving you any examples, but that particular person just nails it. You couldn't have done that with anybody else. Same as the music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I mean, God, people you've had on the show, Peter Dyseth, I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, his role has expanded greatly in the, uh, in the better call soul universe. We love, you know, something that was a minor role become, a you know some somebody we wanted to keep going back to so it just works out sometimes exactly exactly and there i mean there's not a character i think i've come across you know in the gilliverse that is just doesn't you know really have a real a real spot in history that you'll it could just be a passing scene sometimes maybe one word you know but it, it is brilliant to how they live on uh, forever yeah and speaking of the the expenses and I, i'm sorry i'm not going to remember his name offhand but uh there's a there's a when uh, Jimmy is negotiating with getting his uh, his wor- his work money for for picking up garbage by the side of the road. Mm-hmm. There's a guy who says you're going to get on a bus or what, and we looked forever for just the guy to say one line, and he finally casting came back with this fellow, and I, I wish I had his name at the top of my my my, uh, my fingertips, um, but please. He's on IMDb, uh, so check him out. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he he just came in and he nailed it. He had this great voice and this great look, and the, so even this, even one line parts, we we really try to look for the best. I mean, we look for the best people, and we're and that was one where I was not satisfied for the longest time. So many people read for that part. I was just like, it's just this voice. This guy has to be. You, know, you want to hear this voice and just remember it. And finally, uh, we we found our fellow. We have a moderator here. It's one of our friends. His name is Mark Taylor. He, he goes by Landshark Mark in the chat. And I think he's, he, I swear he sounds just like him. So he says, are you going to get on the bus or what? And just that voice, I mean, like, it was like Barry White meets, I don't know what, you know, like this, this, and I can see why he spent some time on that one. Just amazing. I'm going to get Mark, yeah. I'm going to give Mark the line and I'm going to get him try to do, to duplicate it. I bet you he'll come very, very close. Just as baritone, sub sonic, subwoofer b- bass voice, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very memorable. We were just watching that episode yeah. the other night as well too. So, so great. All of our roles, big and small, we we see uh, we we see a lot of people, and we try to try to pick the best we can. Exactly. Well, listen, Tom, it has been absolutely fantastic having you back here. I know it's still early your time. It's uh, nice and early there. It's a little later here in Eastern Standard Time here in Canada, but we want to wish you well. Be safe heading out there to Albuquerque, and there. Um, Thank you. We hope uh, everything goes well for the cast and crew, all the writers out there as well, too. And we look forward to a fantastic season six. We're probably obviously looking. Uh, do you have an, a rough idea when we might see it on TV, like mid-2022 kind of thing? Or do you have any idea? 2026 20, 20, or 27. You know, people are going to take on your word on that one, too. People, no. I have to, I have to show you this prop that uh, our, our writer's assistant, Val, gave me. It's a brick with the uh, New Jersey day printed in a July 27th. And uh, the joke we were, because I'm from New Jersey, everybody made a joke about New Jersey that uh, what happens on New Jersey day? Well, somebody comes along and throws a dirty brick through your window. So this is uh, as a gift. She gave me this dirty brick with the nice. date for New Jersey day carved in it. So uh, maybe we could auction off to one of our lucky fans, uh, do a contest where uh, if they get a question right, I will drive by and throw this through your window. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, so no one really wants to get. Well, I guess maybe they might want it. What's the cost of a window? Fifty bucks or hundred bucks? Let's let's get the Jersey Spirit going and have a brick thrown through. Everyone. That's right. Another brick. Another brick in the wall. Another brick in the window. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, listen, Tom, I'm going to let you go out and I'll say goodbye to you off the air. But everyone, have a safe and fantastic weekend. We will look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Next Friday, tune in again at uh, 9 o'clock Eastern. We've got Frank Sandoval from the Breaking Bad RV Tours, and they're going to give us a whole breakdown on what they do out there. You can do virtual tours if you can't get down there uh, for COVID reasons and things of that nature. And then, of course, in person as well. We're going to be doing that in the uh, later part of this year. And I want to thank a bunch of people here as well, too. And I make notes for some of these people other than my better half. She's nice. She's easy to remember. 
our Sandra Lee is our executive producer here on the show. Thank you to everything. Thank you for everything that you do for us, Sandra, and uh, running a show very, very smoothly. Uh, makes everything look good for me, for sure. A big thank you to our sponsors, Warren and Rachel. We talked about them earlier at bobbleheads.com. Uh, we thank you greatly. We want to thank all of our channel members, our Patreon supporters, our channel moderators, our YouTube subscribers. That's you people watching right now. And if you're new and you haven't subscribed yet tonight, hit that subscribe button right now and we will work just as hard to keep you as a subscriber as we did to get you. Sometimes we didn't work very hard to get you, but we will certainly work hard to keep you. Our super chatters, PayPal donators, and those that buy our merchandise in our store at the Broadstash Boutique. The links are down below. We thank you so very much. We look forward to seeing you next week. And don't forget, if you're on Instagram or Facebook, look us up at Inside the Gilliverse. Everyone, we will have this audio podcast up tomorrow as well, too, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll look forward to seeing you very, very soon. And we're going to send a guard to keep an eye on those index cards. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, hearing more about them in the very near future. Everyone, we'll see you next time. Oh, Tom's got them. Hang on to them tight. Don't let them go. Give them a hugging now and they're gone all right everyone we'll see you next week have a great one and until then cheers thanks again for tuning in to inside the gilliverse with eric broadbent be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from breaking bad el camino and better call saul 